0: Welcome back to another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. We are talking entrepreneurship. We're talking anxiety, which is one of my new favorite topics. And, um, I have a great guest who is a Toronto based. So we love our Canadians on this show, uh, Leanne Kim, and, uh, she is a business coach and strategist dedicated to helping entrepreneurs build profitable and passion powered businesses. Uh, A little bit more about Leanne is from her renowned podcast, The Business of Thinking Big, to her Amazon bestselling book, The Building of a Joyful Business, not to mention her online community, Mamas & Co. It's clear Leanne thrives on supporting mom bosses. Uh, For more than two decades, Leanne has successfully grown her sales and marketing career, but it was one stormy night in 2014 that was the impetus for her entrepreneurial journey. Sorry, I just said that's right. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) The one stormy night, yes. One stormy night. Um, That night, she, along with uh, six other women, shared their dreams, hopes, and a few glasses of wine with the while they built the foundation for a company driven by women living life on their own terms. Today, Leanne is the founder of that company, Mamas and Co, which has gone on to become an international organization that supports thousands of female entrepreneurs to grow successful businesses through its educational content summits, networking opportunities, giving programs, and online membership. Uh, She's got a business mindset of family over hustle, which we all uh, strive for. And Leanne prides herself on her work-life balance as a mother of two who loves helping other mothers move toward their joy-inspired business goals. Please welcome Leanne. Leanne. Kim to the podcast thank you for being here thank you so much for having me I'm so excited um before we dive in I ask all of my guests a uh an icebreaker which is if you're ready I'm ready okay what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory oh my goodness um
1: you know what, I do have a favorite cookie that nobody would know of. When I was little, my mom went all out doing all the things for the holidays. And one of the things that we did for you know weeks in advance was we ba- baked holiday cookies, but she had this one recipe that was called a candy cane cookie. And what it was, was a cookie that was basically two strand, like two long strands of uh, dough that you would roll together and one would be dyed red. And so okay. it actually was a cookie that looked like a candy cane. They weren't even that tasty, but <laughs> the memory of it sitting and making them with her and the twisting and the, the, the way the dough smelled, cause it was a, a unique recipe like that had to kind of stick together the way we made it. But I, that's, that jumps out to me as being like my most memorable cookie memory for sure. I was baking those with her.
0: Oh, that's nice. I, that's when I get like into the baking is around holidays and I have like my staple Uh, menu that I do. So hopefully that resonates with my kids uh, later on. Um, And do you bake cookies now with your kids? Do you know what's funny is I I've got quite a few food allergies, so I don't
1: personally consume a lot of baked goods. And once a year, we do do, we do holiday baking. My mom comes in, we don't make candy cane cookies. They, they are complicated, Yeah, (laughs) but we did, we make and decorate sugar cookies every year. And it's like, for sure, a
0: highlight of the season. We've tried this sugar cookie thing and, um, they always like to decorate it and then lick the icing and it ends up, they end up tossing them. And I'm like, it's fun. And then it's just such a shame to see that just get tossed. So then I, buy the pre-baked ones, but still it's like, uh,
1: you're making memories and that's all they true. really
0: care about. True, and true, they probably true.
1: care. They, the best part for them is probably the licking of the icing anyway. So,
0: so much, so much sugar, so much sugar. <laughs> um, it, it's fun. It's a good time. Um, I made those pine cones or peanut butter pine cones and you put like cocoa powder and peanut butter and you get a pretzel and you like make pine cones. It looks fantastic they're very tedious. They love them, but it's, it takes hours. And so we're working on our like new menu this year, but, um, hopefully yeah. they have those memories.
1: Well, as you will, as you will learn, um, you know, I'm a woman who tends to lean into her strengths and things that I'm not great at or not don't fall in that zone of genius. I kind of set them aside and let other people have them. And baking is just one of those things for me. I, I enjoy it, but it wouldn't be top of my list for yeah. sure there are there definitely other things I like doing with my kids more, but
0: for sure. And I think that's like the main thing is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. Like I know I'm not a morning person. Mm -hmm. I've tried so hard to become one. I think I'm getting better. I've been trying this new app to get me up earlier. So then I can feel less snippy in the morning. I just, but I know that about myself. And so once you recognize that and uh, accept it, then you at least don't feel bad about it or deny it and try to like fool yourself or others. So really leaning into your strengths and leaning into like what, you know, is a really great thing, especially when it comes to business, to life, to parenting, just knowing that kind of thing.
1: I agree completely.
0: So your kids are about nine and 10. We spoke before we hopped on and you boys, girls, so my oldest is
1: uh, Julia. She's almost 11. And then my youngest is Alex and he just
0: turned nine on Monday. That's great. And, um, it's fun. That's a fun age. They're a good amount of part to where they're close enough, but not too close. Um, so how do you, um, deal with, because they're now going into sports and things like that, right? Yeah, so you've yeah. got um, all of these great things going. Uh, and then you've got probably juggling of sports or school because that's about that time, nine and 10.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I started my business when they were babies. And so I've always built my business around my family and being there for them was probably more, you know, it always has been more important to me. Um, And there have been times where business has to take priority and times where family has to take priority, but definitely right now we're, we're entering those tween years where um, their social activities and their friends, they're really kind of uncovering their identity. So my daughter has always been athletic, but she is now heavily invested in competitive cheerleading
0: Mm -hmm. Um, world that we're about to get into possibly with myself. oh yeah, it's it's, a, it's, it's a, a whole world.
1: world. Oh. It is a whole world. So she's um, she's a flyer. She loves it. She you know she's she's at the gym multiple times a week. Uh, my son is only recently kind of finding his things, and he's really like, he's really becoming a little dude. Like he'll go he he goes golfing with his dad and. Um, you know he's doing basketball on Saturdays right now. So we're here, there, and everywhere all the time. We're very lucky in that we have a lot of support, both like paid and uh, and non-paid, and and also in in the business and in our in our home life as well. I really am a firm believer in hiring great help, and and this would probably you know tie in with what we're here to talk about today, which is the an- entrepreneurial anxiety and the yes. kinds of things we're up against.
0: Yeah. So you said one dark stormy night in the, uh, in your, in your bio that you created this organization of women. Um, how, how did that come about and what kind of fear came with that? Because starting a business, especially if you've not done it before and you feel like you're not capable that can hold a lot of people back
1: yeah where i see the this entrepreneurial anxiety more is more so in the first year once you started it but this i mean this is kind of a fun story so um i it was november i posted in a in a local moms facebook group hey and there's like 2000 women in this group hey do, do any of you um have a business and want to get together for a glass of wine so we can kind of pick each other's brains and like tons of women responded. We created this offshoot Facebook group. And uh, so I said, okay, this is going to be our first event, uh, November 19th. Um, and uh, like we had about 15 or 16 people say, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. The day came and I was so looking forward to it. And we had like an epic Toronto snowstorm. Yeah. like and the, and the first of the season too, which over here means like the trucks aren't ready, that nobody has their shovels out, nobody has their snow pants out for, you know, kids and things like that. So it it was chaos all day. And I thought, oh my God, they're all going to cancel. So I remember I had the courage to, you know, we'll probably talk a lot about courage because it's so, it's so crucial, but uh, I had the courage to post in the group and I said, hey, I'm going to go anyway and just come if you want. Don't worry about Arvis VPing. I'll see you there if you want. And I walked there, I swear to you, Heather, I was convinced I'd be sitting there alone, crying into my glass of wine. But in the midst of this massive snowstorm, seven women came out in their parkas Hmm. to sit with me and talk about either the business that they had or the business that they wanted to have. And we just chatted all night long. And we talked about what, you know, what a community like this could be, how we could be helping each other based on all the information we were gathering in our own journeys and it was the start of what is now, you know, my, 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 my community, my global community of mom entrepreneurs called Mamas & Co. But back in the day, I had no clue I was going to do any of this. I was just like, can I meet some moms who also are kind of into this business thing? And it's just been, you know, blossoming since then. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's how it goes with businesses. And I remember starting mine, you have an idea of what you want to do, but then it's, you know, called market research and everything like that. The market dictates what you do, or it's you, you lean into it and you really learn what people actually want from you. And you have to either take it or leave it. Like you can fight it and be like, I don't want to do that. But you eventually end up leaning into it if that's what they really want from you. And if it's something, and it, it always surprises. I mean, it surprises a lot of people. Like this is what I went to go do. And now I'm doing this. Like I started trying to help moms and start, um, you know, freeing up time and being more productive, which I still am now doing and going back to that, but it ended up pivoting into like Instagram boot camps and helping, uh, new business owners that were just starting a lot of, um, direct selling, I think is what they call it now, or MLM, Um, people coming on to learn how to use Instagram to push their business. It just came naturally. And they wanted me to teach it to them. And I was like, well, I can teach it to you, but that's not what my business is. Like, we'll pay you. I'm like, well, that's not what I do. And so you lean into it and then you become a go-to and you're like, but that is completely not something I went to go do, but that's what they need, want, and are willing to pay for. And then you try and cope with that fact too, right?
1: Oh, totally. Well, the same thing happened to me here. I was like, I had a completely different business at this time in like the arts and crafts space. And it was my first business. I was really just trying it on for size. And then what I found with this group was we'd get together once a month. And I was always amazed that it seemed like they knew a ton about their craft, but none of them, seem to have a lot of confidence when it came to marketing and selling their stuff. And so I was like, well, I have a, you know, I have a background in sales. Would it be helpful if I put on a you know a little workshop? So I hosted about, I think this one was about 17 women in my living room on like a Tuesday night and I remember I spoke for two hours straight because that's just I was so gung ho about it. So excited to help these women to the point where one woman who had just had a baby, she was holding her newborn. She was like nodding off. That's how long I went on oh, no. <laughs> for. It. But like the, the feeling of like some of these women were leaning in, they were smiling. I could tell that they were having these massive light bulb moments just from this very first workshop I ever put on. And so from there, that really helped me kind of establish myself as a business coach because not everybody comes into their business with, you know, decades worth of sales experience, but I just kind of luckily had that as my day job. And so um, I did that for a little while. It was my side hustle, um, you know, running the community. And then eventually I was like, "I I think I can take this full time. And so, you know, with the support of my loved ones, I made a plan I made the leap, and for the first few months, I was just like hustling hard. Everything felt really good in flow. I was doing all the things, all of the different ways to find coaching customers, and then I hit the wall. And this is mm-hmm. really where the entrepreneurial anxiety set in because the the joy and the excitement and the adrenaline was kind of wearing off. And I kind of I looked up and I realized like, whoa, this is you know this is harder than I thought to anyone can get something going, but like to sustain this. And a lot of the thoughts I had at that time were like, am I really going to be able to be consistent? You know, do they really care what I have to say? Am I really going to be able to stand out as a a business coach? Um, I knew I could coach, but you know, this idea of like, I have to be visible on social media every day to keep this whole thing going. Right. And then I'd look at my mom, friend's who just had day jobs who were, you know, who were employed by other people and they didn't seem to have any of these challenges that I had. So I have very few people I could talk to about this because I, you know, the business owners, I knew most of them weren't moms, except for the few that I, you know, I was gathering. And then the, the moms that I knew weren't business owners. And so it, the anxiety that we feel is, is different than just regular mom anxiety, regular mom guilt. It's this, the, it's the combination of the two, right? I got to be a great mom. And if I want to be able to support my family, I also got to be great in business. And if I'm not careful, I won't be able to keep this all up. That's really what started to set in for me.
0: Yeah. It, it's a delicate balance. And we all talk about balance or I mean, I do chaos control, right? Because I think that there's nothing really like balancing. It's more just controlling what you can't, like controlling what you can versus being prepared on what you can't. Um, And, and, you know, hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. Um, For me personally, starting my business, I started my business in 2019, Um, 2019, 2020. 2019 or 2020? Um, I'm now it's all like a blur. It's all blur because COVID kind of like made a whole year into like extended year in time. But um, I stopped working, uh, after my son was born, um, my youngest. Uh, I wrote on on compete. Um, had to focus on my three kids. Um, their dad didn't really want me working as much and wanted me to be home. And so after a couple months of not working, quote unquote, I uh. I, and, and the company got acquired. So it made it a little bit easier for me to step away, but I was like, I still feel like I need to contribute. I still feel like I need to make money. Cause I'm bored. I like, I'm a worker. I like to work. It doesn't necessarily mean I want to work for somebody else. And so I got back into the health and wellness space, uh, because it was something that didn't, I didn't have to sell product and they gave you everything. And you just, you know, the Instagram thing was a little new. So I started that, health and wellness piece. That was my uh, degree in college as well. So I was like, oh, I'm using my degree. Mom and dad will be proud. It's great. And I did well with that for a while, but then I started to see the CEO doing things that either a, I didn't really get or understand, or I felt maybe she might be selling it. And so then I thought to myself after I had just been a victim of acquisition, I have no control over what she does with this program. So if she wants to change something, take something away, add product, which she ended up doing, which I don't really want to push. I have to either take it or leave it because it's not mine. And so I was like, I want to create something that maybe I can help my clients that were needing more. Like I need to make time to get healthy. How do I do that? And on the flip side, where I've not really shared much is I started my business mainly to get out of my marriage. I saw there was some things that had went down. I had seen some writing on the wall and me not having the security of a job was like, I just want to be preparing for the worst, hoping for the best, so to speak. And I don't know if I'll, I don't want to put all of my destiny into someone else's company. And Mm -hmm. so when I created Chaos of Cookies, I felt a sense of urgency. I felt a sense of, pressure to make it work quickly. Yeah, um, A lot of people take a long time to ramp up. And for me, I was like, I need this to work. I'm investing a lot of money into it to get it to work. And I was almost forcing what I was needing to push by also not looking like I'm starting a business <laughs> to possibly make a a future change. So it was a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety. And I remember when I went to go film my video for my website, they were like, what do you do? I had a great name. I had a great tagline. I had an idea of how I wanted to help, but I didn't know how to explain what I did. And then they were about like, well, if you're selling to moms, moms don't buy it's, you know, if you want to move the needle, you got to, Sell like B2B or business to business, business to consumer is really difficult, especially to moms, because typically at a price point, they have to go and ask their spouse for there's all this research. And I was doing all this research and that's what it was telling me too. But I was no business coach. I was like, I'm just starting this. Mm -hmm. I know how to sell and market and I'm the health and wellness. And I knew like legal stuff, like legal sales, but I'm not, I know nothing about that. So it was very difficult for me. I broke down. I was very anxious. And then when I started sharing a few years later, right around now, why it all clicked for everyone that was in that room with me. They're like, that's makes complete sense on why you were so adamant about making sure it was going to be something that you're making and have to run with it. And so it Mm -hmm. comes to fruition now, but there was so much anxiety around, um, doing something for that purpose but also not wanting to like abandon the kids and not be there for them. The dynamic between me and my ex-spouse and me working again, or spending time on something that's a hobby was a fun conversation we had a lot. So there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that, especially as a mom and a spouse, because we sometimes don't always have the support of the, Uh, of our partner. I had, I had, uh, support, but then when the time came for me to be on Zooms and teach the thing, it was like, you done yet, you done yet. And Mm -hmm. it became like not priority because it wasn't making money or whatever. Right. So there's a lot of those things that we have to navigate.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like your your story isn't um isn't unique. I mean, a lot of the women that I coach are um you know, their 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 income that they make is needed in the family. So, I there are hobby business owners out there that are like, "I, you know, I'm a side hustler. I I, I do this cuz it's fun." But the women that I coach are like, "No, I need to make this business work and quickly." Um, and whether it's, you know, divorce or you've quit your corporate job, a lot of the women I coach get downsized out, um, or, you know, laid off. And so I think that, that it may, it makes the journey that much more real when that need is high. But what's interesting to me is those are often the women that do the best in entrepreneurship because they have the motivation. They have their right? why.
0: That they have their high. why.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but- what I will say is, you know, this entrepreneurial anxiety, this, you know, mompreneur, mompreneur anxiety really comes up at very interesting times in our journey. It's not just at the beginning. Oftentimes it's when we have a big win, and this is also true of our personal life. You know, it's often right on the heels of a big win that we feel like sometimes our darkest days, right? I can think back to several, um, several moments in my journey where we've had, you know, a huge success or crossed a threshold, great milestone. And then, you know, we've had a team member leave, or then, you know, there's a, there's a dry spell when it comes to sales. So there's always going to be something. And I think what I, what I don't want to talk about is like, how do we eliminate anxiety? Because it's just not really likely Um, you know, like much like you said about balance, like it's probably more, probably more appropriate to focus on how are we going to cope with, how are we going to navigate things when we notice that we're in these times of higher anxiety? Sometimes it is the business is fine, but my mom life is just really demanding right now, right? As you said, like when our kids are at stages where they're going through stuff or they really need us and we have a six figure or seven figure business that we're trying to keep afloat and grow. So I think, you know, what's interesting to me and maybe what you might want to talk about is how, what are some of those strategies that we can learn to cope with this entrepreneurial anxiety so we can feel like we're being great moms and still, you know, a badass in business?
0: Yeah. And I would say the first step is to probably ask for some help. If, you know, and to know our strengths and weaknesses, like we opened the show is, knowing that about yourself. And so you're not supposed to know everything. There's reasons why we hire people out, delegate things that aren't our expertise. So why on earth, if we're beginnering business owners, do we think that we're going to know everything? We don't. So it's okay. And to, um, I think the first step is to get some support in those places and, you might have to invest something, which is very anxiety driven as well. But at the same time, it's by the time you spin your wheels, your time, what is your time worth? And then also getting that expertise to help move the the needle a little quicker for you or smarter, not harder.
1: Oh, I'm a big fan of working smarter, not harder. Have to. Yeah. I mean,
0: we don't go and ask our dentist to a picture. So if, if, Okay. and you need some help with the books or if a website's just something that's really overwhelming, trying to find resources.
1: Mm, absolutely. I mean, and, and to kind of build off of that, it's cultivating the self-awareness to know when you need help, right? Knowing when you're out of your depths, knowing when, you know, you, you might be entering an area that, isn't your expertise. I think a lot of us try to be good at all the things because we think that's the expectation, but I would say the number one skill that, that, or quality that makes a great entrepreneur is self-awareness. You can have all the sales and marketing background in the world, but if you don't, if you don't understand yourself, you, if you don't have that piece, then It's gonna really limit your growth. And I I do unfortunately see this a lot with women who sort of come in, they think they know everything, or they think they have to know everything, and then they burn out really quickly because they aren't able to see the areas where they need support.
0: Yeah. And that's a huge piece because I always tell my clients or people that ask me for advice is know enough to get by because you do need to be smart about what you are doing. You need to know your books, you need to know. How to fix something simple. Because if that person that you are leaning on it could be stealing from you or could be out on vacation and something goes down, you need to know enough to get by in a pinch, but not feel the pressure of knowing all the things all the time. Because, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, another area that I think we're not spending enough time in 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 our lives is really you know making sure that we are taking care of ourselves because we're very good at caring for everybody else right mm-hmm. making sure our kids have what they need our team our partner our friends our you know in my case um, my mom my siblings I'm very good at making sure that they all have what they need but we're not always as good as at making sure that we are well cared for and unfortunately so I coach a lot of women who are at or nearing the six-figure mark And I, burnout is just all too common. So we're pushing so hard. We have these goals. I love working with goal-oriented women. I think they're amazing. But then they get really sick or then, um, you know, they can't get out of bed because they're, they're struggling with this kind of anxiety or depression. I think most of us, like if we treated our bodies better, to be honest with you, I think we, if we treated our bodies better, our minds would be sharper, our ability to focus and juggle different priorities will be stronger. Um, but I think a lot of us are operating a little bit like you know we're we're kind of living this half life. So sleep is a really big one for me. Um, I'm not perfect at it, but I I tend to go to bed early because I do wake up early, and so I I know about this about myself. I need eight hours, seven or eight hours minimum. Um, you know, I I do think that most of us. Could be probably fueling our bodies better. We could be hydrating more. We could be eating more mindfully, and all that stuff. Even though I'm not a health coach, honestly, like the this is my my passion is like helping women become better leaders and better business owners from the inside out.
0: So and a lot of the for coaching example I, too, you
1: exactly. That's to
0: what you preach, right?
1: Oh, it's so true. Uh, like a lot of the coaching I do, although we 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 talk about business strategy and we we talk about implementation. A lot of it is, you know, how do we get you to feeling that you're operating at your best as, you know, mom and CEO? So yes. it's interesting to me how we're, we're also so used to putting ourselves last
0: on the list, but what we need to do for everyone's sake is, is put ourselves first. Yeah, because if we i mean i've said it before and listeners have heard me say it is if we're not at our best and we can't serve and we can't be our best self to then be your best partner be your best parent be your best ceo you it's not selfish because we're always telling others do what makes you happy you should make time for you but we need to too because we end up being burnt out or we sit down at the end of the day feeling we got nothing done um some days i don't want to like make my bed for instance but then i'm like How can I go out there and tell my kids, go make your bed if I'm not doing it? So I need to show, be an example, because maybe I just don't feel like messing around with all the pillows. Yes, I'm a pillow person, but it's one of those things where you have to take the conscious step to lead by example, because then you don't, you come off as not believing it. Maybe you, um, I mean, people can sniff it out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I always think we are uh, we we do have people watching us, but truthfully, the the people that are watching us are the people that already love us and support us, the right. ones that are paying attention. So, I think about, you know, I coach female entrepreneurs primarily mama entrepreneurs in the middle stages of life. Many of them still have young kids. And a lot of what what I I want to be doing is like how do we get you to be at the best possible shape and how can you go out there and be the best possible mom you can be and and to me it boils down to some you know to some simple choices anxiety is a complex issue right and i'm not going to sit here and say oh there's one simple answer but a lot of it is you know choosing to prioritize what we want to see more of yeah so if we want to be working with people who feel good, who are smart, who are passionate, then we have to choose to be that as well, which is going to mean maybe um, saying yes to certain things, saying no to certain things. Um, but I think for for most of the 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 people, you know, the the women that I coach, there's a next level version of us out there waiting. And we have to find a way to reach that, like, you know, making the kinds of empowering choices being the kind of person that are, is going to attract the right people, that's going to help you get to that next level. So it, it's it's interesting um, how layered this all is too, and how a lot of it is is coming from you know societal expectations, right? Like yes. I I'm just going to say it. Like a lot of my women will tell me, um, my partner expects me to be the mommy, and it's going to be a challenge for me to work through that with him. So that I can, you know, get to run this business the way I want my, you know, my mom expects me to do this or my mother-in-law, you know, so we're also letting these societal expectations limit ourselves, which, um, which adds the anxiety, but it's just, it's another layer for us to learn how to move through.
0: And also remembering that no is not a bad word. Mm. No is not a bad word, especially as a mom who wants to do all the things, wants to please everyone wants to tell yes to the business and yes to the things, but no is not a bad, a bad word. That's okay to say no or not right now. We don't, you know, pace yourself or weigh it out because that's setting boundaries, that's um, moving at your pace and everyone's pace looks different, right? And remembering, I think with the era of, instant gratification and seeing, uh, things, everything's now so much, uh, media and YouTube and everyone's got a platform now, um, at their fingertips all the time. It's a lot of analysis, paralysis, a lot of like, oh, she's doing it this way. Well, maybe I should do it that way. Or I, you know, oh, that's a lot better. Or I like that. And, and remembering to stay almost with blinders on and saying, no, it's okay that person might be in a different place. And I'm just a little a few more steps behind and not trying to just uh, self-doubt and saying yes to everything then creates more anxiety, which actually can slow you down.
1: a hundred percent. I mean, I'd say one of the things that got me further faster than most was I just, I really just genuinely don't pay that much attention to what other people are doing. And I say no to a lot of things. Um, not because I want to be a mean person or I don't want people to like me. Of course I care about all those things, but I just, it all comes back to what are you prioritizing? So, um, you know, when you talk about what to say no to in my book, I call these the not opportunities, they're opportunities (laughs) that present themselves. And you're like, oh, well, this might grow my business. Should I do it? Should I not? Typically, you know, the rule of thumb is, and I always say like, think about this, If you know what your goal is, and this opportunity presents itself, is it going to get you closer to your goal or further away? Because if it's further away from your goal, you just don't need it, and there really is no in between. Something either is or is not progressing you. Most of the time, we try to convince ourselves things are really great for business, but because it feels fun and we want to do it, but then we end up wishing we had that time back. So you know, we have to get really good at knowing yourself, but also. Knowing your industry, knowing your world, what is and is not gonna be a catalyst for you to reach that next level. And you're right, hundred percent. No is not a bad word. In fact, we all need to be saying no
0: more. Yes, and yes to the no. But uh, <laughs> I think to knowing your value, your worth, what your time is worth. As women, we undervalue our time. Um, at the beginning, I'm like, you don't have to pay me. I got it. And I actually had a client, and you know who you are because you listen to the podcast. Uh, Who's like, I'm Venmoing you money. How much do you want? I'm like, ah, uh, and she's, and she just was like, nope, that's what I'm sending you. Sorry, your time was valuable. You helped me. That's that's it. And that knowing that someone values you, it's like, yeah, I am worth that time. Hmm. They are friends of mine, but at the same time, you know, it's not even. It, it's knowing what you're worth and knowing it's okay to make money and it's okay. It's, I think that that's, that's a whole nother conversation, but mm-hmm. that financial piece in itself, like that imposter syndrome, or we're stuck in this, like, you know, we're stuck in this box. Um, so to, cause think about all the time that if you are spending with that person or that thing, that's time away from your family. That's time away from your kids that that's not time you get back. So at least make it worth your while so you can, take them for ice cream after and pay for it or grow your business and and let it get to a level where it can start doing more without you and getting the time back and paying it forward. So just think about that as well, right? Knowing your worth and value. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. So how would one work with you? And cause you have a book out, you, hmm. you work with a lot of mamapreneurs. Um, how, if, if, this is resonating with a listener where they can find you and uh, how can you help them further? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I coach moms at any age and stage of business. I work primarily with women at the early stages of business through my community, Mamas & Co., and also through my group coaching program, which is called A Players. It's a 90-day transformative experience for women who already have a business. And I launch that three times a year. And Honestly, if you've enjoyed this conversation at all, probably the best place to go is to my podcast, which is called The Business of Thinking Big. And if you already have a business and you are looking to grow it with more of those joyful, abundant clients, then I have a resource I would love to share with your listeners. Absolutely. It is my free masterclass. It's called "How to Secure More: uh, Attract and Secure More Dream Clients," and it's all about building, honestly, building a joyful business by understanding who it is you want to work with, and then learning how to attract them in your marketing. Um, I've built a business this way. I've taught many women how to build six-figure businesses from zero dollars, you know, to the point where they're paying themselves a healthy salary, doing something they love. I work with a lot of coaches and consultants and service businesses. So if that is you, you will absolutely love this masterclass. So you can find that at mamas and co slash dream. And if you're okay with it, we'll, we'll also share the link.
0: Yes. That'll definitely be in the show notes. Um, I think everyone should have a mentor, a coach, a program, a community. That's not your own. You can create them, of course, for your business, but for yourself. And it's okay if you're with a coach and you've outgrown them and you need to move on to the next one because those coaching programs that you take aren't meant to last a lifetime. That community may be as a support group or as a resource, but for you to grow, it's you have to have different stages, different coaches at different levels that way you can grow and not stay the same. And so I really encourage anyone to have something that they're always in, whether that, and it doesn't have to cost a ton of money, but something that will keep the needle, like keep the ball moving. Right. So I really strongly encourage uh, my listeners to go and check out Leanne's program. Um, 90 days is an investment. It's time you're not going to do it in two days, guys. It's like, you have to like find something that's going to sustain and, and help you grow. And that takes a lot of time so we can fit it into our busy schedules. So we don't have anxiety say, around doing it.
1: You know what the, the women typically find me when they are ready to take their businesses and themselves seriously. That's when I am sort of like the perfect fit. So, um, if that is you, I'd love to hear from you. You can absolutely also connect with me on Instagram at Leanne Kim coach.
0: Awesome. And, uh, everything will be in the notes and I really appreciate your expertise and time today. Um, having this conversation and, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Wonder Yes, absolutely. Anytime. And listeners go and check out Leanne. All the links are in the show notes. She also has a podcast and, uh, strongly recommend listening. And, uh, if you like this episode, please go and rate and review it It always helps the podcast grow and share it with your friends. Um, that's, you know, how we can support each other. So thank you again. And, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of the chaos and cookies podcast.